today we are talking about how retail marketers like Estee Lauder are adapting to extraordinary changes in consumer shopping behavior. So firstly, Catherine, thank you very much for, for joining Kayla and myself today. Could you just uh, set us up by introducing yourself, the role that you work at Estee and a little bit about some of the stuff that you guys are doing? Sure. Hi, thanks for having me. Um, it's very, I'm very honoured to be here. My name's Catherine Mamontoff. I'm the online and omni-channel general manager at Estee Lauder Companies. And um, we look after, well, our team looks after everything that um, has to do with um, the online business. Um, we have uh, seven of our own brand.com sites, which is direct to consumer. And then we also work with our retail partners on how we can bring our brands um, best to life on, um, on their online channels. Um, as part of our remit, we also look after um, the term, what we call omni-channel, and that is um, you know, obviously how you connect the online to the offline world. Um, and for us, that's things like booking a, um, a makeup appointment online or um, buying and using a gift card um, online or, or in store or buying um, a foundation online, finding that it's not the right shade for you and um, taking it into store to exchange it for, um, for, for a shade that might be more suited to your skin tone. Uh, we've, um, we've been in online for, uh, well, we launched our first online site about 13 or 14 years ago. Um, and our, our company, um, Estee Lauder Company, is actually the first, um, the first beauty brand to, um, to launch an online business um, in the beauty industry some 20 odd years ago. So um, we like to kind of call ourselves digital pioneers um, in our industry. And um, yeah, we like to think that we've got, um, you know, a lot of background, a lot of learnings on um, how to take uh, cosmetics and skincare and hair care um, to consumers in the online space. Could you describe to us a little bit about the, the omni-channel approach that Estee has sort of been pioneering and um, yes, yeah, certainly from, from what you're doing today and where, where you, you've taken it? Sure. Well, I think, um, you know, when uh, Estee Lauder launched online um, globally 20-something years ago, um, you know, people thought we were mad. Like, nobody is going to buy makeup online. I mean, why would somebody buy lipstick that they hadn't swatched on their on their hands or or tried on? Um, but we, you know, we, we Clinique was launched first, and then uh, the other brands followed. And lo and behold, people were buying lipsticks online. And then people said, nobody's going to buy foundation online. Foundation's such a personalised product. You you need to have um, an expert try it on your skin and, and match you to um, the most um, the most relevant colour to your skin tone. So nobody's going to buy that online. But guess what? They did. Um, you know, initially they it was about replenishment. People would go in store for that in store service element, but then um, they would come and replenish their products online. But, um, you know, we've seen that really change and uh, online, 
It's, it's our flagship store and um, we're using it to really recruit new customers as well as service um, um, our loyal customers. And I think what we've seen, especially over the last three to five years, is social media has really changed the industry as well um, in, a, in a huge, huge way. You know, Instagram has really exploded the makeup category online. Um, I mean, my Instagram feed, it's probably because that's who I'm following, but it's it's full of makeup tutorials and and people really expressing themselves as artists using um, using makeup and it's also meant that it, that um, platform has really helped um, a lot of indie makeup brands develop a uh, a large customer base in a world where prior to um, platforms like Instagram, it would be very, very difficult for those smaller indie brands to um, to gain a foothold in um, you know what, what was quite a traditional um, industry prior. Um, and then you know with, within our business previously we were quite siloed in the past. Um, you know, you have your bricks and mortar business and you have your online business. And, um, you know, our business has been around for many, many, many years. Um, and we're very used to selling a lot to a few retailers, you know, moving a lot of product to just a couple of retailers. And then when we moved to online, we really had to change that, that model completely because now we're selling lots of little items to many thousands of, um, of consumers. Um, and online was, um, was sort of set up as a, a kind of a separate business to the traditional business in, um, in Estee Lauder. And we, um, we did that deliberately to really help the online business flourish and, um, you know, not get stuck in the the ways that we always did things um, within the traditional part of the business. But now we, we need to converge the two because customers see, uh, you know, don't see our channels differently. A customer sees us as Estee Lauder or as Mac or as Clinique. They see it as one brand. They don't see it as multiple different channels trying to talk to her in different, in different ways. Um, so we're really focusing on bringing our um, bringing our different businesses together, and in using omni-channel as a way to make it easy for her to engage with us in the channel that suits her at that time. Because we know that um, she may want to go to um, a counter and have her foundation matched but she might want to send a gift from online because it's just more convenient that way. So we're really focusing on how we bring all of that together and be um, the most relevant to her at that time that she wants to shop with us. With your audience, you must have quite a different set of pots, I imagine, and because you described how yeah, your, your customers, she will be reaching in different ways. Some will probably, as you already mentioned, they prefer the, the in-store stuff. Some will prefer getting messages online through social. You, you, you make a big effort of trying to cater for all of these different needs. I think the most important lesson that I've learned over the last few years, particularly as I've um, 
been focused more on how we bring the channels together um, and reimagine the, the shopping experience is to really keep an open mind and think about what's right for the customer over and above what's right for us as a retailer. And, you know, some things that we've, we've um, tested and learned may seem kind of hard to fathom that they're going to have a high adoption. Um, but what seems odd at one point in time can be really different at another point in time. And um, an example that springs to mind for me personally is click and collect. Um, you know, when it was first introduced, retailers had initially had their click and collect um, counters hidden at the back of their stores. So you had to pass everything in the store to get to the, to the um, to count, collect your item. You know, for them, it was a potential way to maybe make another sale. But for the consumer, it was actually really inconvenient. And at the time, I really struggled to see why anybody would want to use that service. I couldn't even really get my head around why you'd want to use click and collect over having your groceries delivered to your door. Um, but, you know, fast forward a few years and, and especially during this time, um, and I, you know, I think about the, the curbside um, service that, um, that retailers are off offering now with click and collect, you know, when you get your groceries, I mean, for me, it's been a, 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 um, a game changer. Um, and, and you kind of understand delivery to your door can happen kind of, you know, within a two to four, six hour window, but where like click and collect is more at your control. Um, and so I guess my point of that, that example is people are really looking for either price, convenience, or an experience. Um, and if your retail is ticking one of those boxes, then you're probably got a good chance that what you're testing and learning from is going to be onto a winner over the long run. Yeah. So at a broad level, how are retailers looking to reimagine the shopping experience for their customers, both online and in store? No, I think just touching on what I, I just spoke about, um, being where the, the customer wants to shop with us. Um, for us, it's this year in particular has been quite an interesting journey because we really, our company prides ourselves on um, our service model. And it, it's actually even in our, our mission statement, it's about, um, we call it a high touch service model, but um, you know, our mission is about bringing the best to everybody we touch. Obviously, that's quite hard to do during COVID period. Um, so we really had to imagine and reimagine what that looks like for our business. Uh, and in particularly this year, um, we've had to pivot very, very quickly on how, how do we bring the best to everyone we touch without actually touching them. Um, and, um, so, and particularly for me in online, um, we're you know, we're obsessed with how do we bring that in-store experience into a digital format. Um, and so we've, we've very, um, very quickly introduced new technology um, and we've accelerated a virtual try-on experience. And, you know, and how that works is um, you, you get your phone, um, we have um, uh, AR technology that um, matches takes your, your face and it matches you 
um, to your to the right foundation for your skin. So you don't have to go into a store and have somebody trying the foundation on your face. Um, you can be doing it virtually. Um, we have the same with lipstick and with eyeshadows. And, you know, that technology is not new. It's been around for a number of years now, but it, it's, it's taken some time to evolve. When it first came out, it was a bit you looked a bit clown-like when you were, you know, seeing this lipstick and eyeshadow on your face, but it's now evolved so well that it is so true to life and it's very, very reliable. Um, so we, um, you know, we really encourage consumers to use that tool if they don't want to, to come into, um, into store. Um, we've also really evolved our um, consultation process. Um, you can obviously go into store and speak face to face with a um, with one of our experts, um, but you can also now choose to have that consultation um, over video. So you could go onto one of our websites and um, book a um, book an appointment. You can still go to store and have the appointment. Absolutely, you know we love to to um, see people face to face. Um, but if you choose, you can also now do it um, over your phone um, on a video call with um, with one of our experts. Um, and it's it's been really fascinating to see how. Um, people's expectations and people's um, comfort with technology has changed. Um, we introduced live chat on our site some years ago. And um, at the time, um, we were testing and learning um, video chat and uploading your photos. Nobody wanted to do that. People just people wanted to be anonymous, and they um, they just wanted to type their questions um, and then leave quickly. Um, but with COVID this year, that's really flipped the model on its head. People have become very very comfortable with um, you know with showing their faces and um, with having that that one-on-one -on -one, um, interaction um, with, our, with our hosts, our chat hosts, um, or our, um, our experts. Um, and then, you know, we've also taken, um, we used to do a lot of live events in, in our retail stores. Um, we've had to scale that back, but um, what we're doing instead is putting it, putting it online. And so um, it could either be on Instagram or it could be hosted on our, um, you know, on our own um, brand.com channels. Um, so we've really tried to mirror the experience that you get um, in store and put it online. But it's not in a um, in a way that we wish to. Um, uh, we want to complement the the in store service. We're not trying to replace that service. So, with how you guys have pivoted and kind of gone a little bit more digital with everything, mm -hmm. how has that affected your ability to reach more people? And then, kind of two parts. So. Starting from there, and then how have you been able to take those new customers and build that personalized experience? We want to be able to cultivate our customers from um, across an omni-channel experience. And, and just going back to what I was talking about before, um, you know, we may be recruiting more consumers now through digital um, because, you know, stores have been closed or people are not 
comfortable going into stores. Um, and we've, we've been recruiting them more in the digital space, but um, we want to be able to offer them that in-store experience when they feel comfortable to do that. But, in the, but at the same time, we know that um, the, the online acceleration is probably not going to go away. Um, you know, social selling has become um, a trend, not just in our market, but worldwide and, um, and not just in our industry. Um, but we're really testing and learning with what that's going to look like in the, the long term and, and how do we scale it so um, it has a sustainable ROI and that that's something that we you know it's not a model that we've we've cracked. Um, I think one of the other interesting um, factors that we you know we're talking about and thinking about a lot um, over over this period and especially as we go into Christmas is how customer demands have increased substantially and um, people really want fast delivery. Um, so we've got this huge demand for fast delivery and this um, uh, delivery service that is cracking under the weight of the demand. It's under enormous pressure. So, you know, we're, we're trying to think about, well, how, how do we get our products to the consumers um, in the fastest way? Um, how can we bring our offline um, business to help um, facilitate some of that, um, some of that pressure. Um, and so it's, you know, it's not just about the, the delivery of the product. Um, you know, our, our business, yes, our business is about selling product, but it's also about teaching and educating consumers to look and feel their best. And we really believe that there is a role for both of those channels to play in that space. And so we need to, we're still continuing to figure out how is the best way to put those two together. Um, and to, to touch on the second part of your question about personalization, you know, personalization is, is really at the heart of everything that we do. Um, that is our business. I mean, there's nothing more personalized than offering 65 different shades of foundation or um, skincare that targets individual concerns. You know, it doesn't get much more personalized than that. But from a consumer perspective, um, we want to get much more granular to be where she wants us and where she expects us to be when it's relevant for her. You know, sometimes she might want the self-select model from, um, from what you get from, from like a Sephora or a, or a Mecca. Um, other times she might want that full-blown beauty advisor service um, that you, you tend to get more from department stores. Or she might want to just quickly jump online and, you know, order a gift for somebody and, and really, um, um, really lean on that convenience. So we want to, want to be sure we're offering her that same high touch service um, where it makes sense in each of those channels that's in an environment of her choosing at that time. You kind of touched on this a little bit during that question around you have this new kind of group of customers and they're online now, but you eventually want to bring them in store. And so I'm curious if are you guys building an approach around this new persona or group of customers and changing up how you communicate with them versus how you've communicated with your traditional customers? 
We are certainly moving our communication to a more omni-channel approach. Um, rather than talking to her by the channel in which she came in, we, we want to offer her a choice. So um, she may have come in via our, um, our own owned brand.com site, but we don't want to stop her from being exposed to a great offer or a great event that's going to be happening in one of our retailers. We want to give her the choice to select where she wants to um, interact with us rather than protecting, oh, you know, you, um, you came to us through our own um, brand.com site, therefore we're only going to talk to you about brand.com because we want to protect you as that sort of customer. No, we want her to tell us where she wants to, where she wants to engage with us, where she wants to shop with us. Um, and uh, we want to be quite open about that um, and let her dictate to us where she wants to be rather than us putting her into buckets on where we think that she sits. Are there certain things that you guys have tried now that you think will actually very much stay part of what you're doing post-COVID? And I, I do caveat that with, of course, post-COVID such a mysterious world, you don't really know what it is, but we do know that human interaction is vital People do like, you know, the, the sort of the touch model of seeing and engaging with someone there in front of them and the stores that you guys have and the displays and the way that works is very important to people. That's not going away. Uh, absolutely. Our customer care team, um, you know, we, we had a, uh, a smaller customer care team um, prior to COVID and they tended to, to um look after queries like, where's my order? Um, how do I check out? They tended to be much more technical questions that they were, they were receiving from consumers. Um, this COVID period has really, it's turned them actually into beauty advisors. Um, they're now taking questions like, um, you know, what shade of foundation should I buy? What, what's the difference between moisturiser for dry skin and oily skin? Which one should I choose? So they're, they're becoming much more um, value add. And not only are we we're training up these, um, these consumer care agents to be able to take those sorts of questions, we're also layering in our actual beauty advisors who are on counter. So they can also now talk to customers in this digital world. So, um, you know, they're not just interacting face-to-face, -face. They're, they're linked into um, our live chats. They're, they're linked into doing educational um, pieces online. Um, and I don't think that's going to go away. I think, um, you know, we've been able to find a model where we can um, bring this in-store experience online. And now that we can, we can do video chat as well, um, we've given consumers um, another option to, um, to be educated and to learn and, um, and understand how to, what products are right for her and, and how to use the products. So I think, I, I think um, our customer care agents as beauty advisors, um, I think that's only going to continue to grow. And I think beauty advisors becoming customer care agents 
So that you know that um, crossover is is going to continue continue on. Um, they've kind of almost become well, they have really become the face of our faceless websites. So there's there's a a human element that's really um, been added to what was traditionally um, a very non-human way of of um, of shopping before. So I, I really do see that um, that continuing as part of our um, our business model going forward. Personalization is at the core of everything you do, and in many ways, the relationships you're building now, because you guys had to react fast and perhaps not get it right immediately, but you acted rather than sort of sitting on your hands and hoping for the best. You've actually, in many ways, probably strengthened relationships or, or built new ones where you might not have before. We, from a digital perspective, I don't think we ever had nearly as many one-to-one -one conversations with consumers as we have had um, in this, you know, in 2020. And so I think you're right. I think we've we've built um, through our online channel. We have built um, so many more deep connections with consumers um, than I, I think we had in the last 10 years. Um, so it has created um, a, a real opportunity to to get much closer and understand our customers from a channel that has tended to be more faceless um, previously. Taking all of this information, how what's next for Estee? I think what's next for us is figuring out, you know, we've learned so much these last few months um, and figuring out now how to scale a lot of the tests that we've done. Um, you know, we've dabbled in, in social selling, um, in the one-to-one -one video consultations. How do we scale that now? You know, as, as stores start to reopen and people start going back to them, which we you know we absolutely want to happen, um, we need to figure out, we, we think that this portion of um, this, uh, you know, th this video chat, this video consultation, um, events on Instagram, we don't think that's going away. We think that's here to stay. Um, but how do we scale that, that it's um, got a, a good ROI in the long term whilst complementing what we, um, you know, what we do in store? So I think um, trying to find the, the right balance for the two of those um, similar but discrete areas, um, I think is what where we'll be putting a lot of our um, our focus in as we go into twenty one. Um, Catherine, thank you so much. It's been absolute pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, and um, thank you for listening.